This is episode 551 of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you by Eventing Riders Association of North America. This week on the show, we welcome international British eventing superstar Kirsty Johnston after an incredible week in Belgium at the Arville ERM. And then we go to America and we speak to Frankie Terrio Stutes after her outstanding result in her very first five star, the Le Moulin Horse Trials. I'm Liz Halliday Sharp coming to you this week from North Chaley in England. And I'm Paul Tapner coming to you this week from Wickstead Farm in Wiltshire. Now, Liz, um, you've been doing pretty well recently and uh you know we last time we spoke you were talking about getting on pan am teams and all of this sort of fantastic team uh, team stuff for usa and hopefully going to arkin as well so just let's update our listeners are you are you ready to go and take the arkin scene by storm and then maybe a trip to the pan ams well, I guess it is all go. Um, I am I am uh, named to the Pan Am or sorry the uh, Aachen team with De Niro Z, um, which is really exciting because I have been the reserve to Aachen a few times. I've been desperate to go because I hear it's the best event in the entire world. And finally, this year I am named to the team, so I'm super excited. Um, De Niro is going to have um, his first run back in the UK this weekend at Breitling Park in the three star. And then we'll have a really good uh, coaching session with Eric Devander, and we'll be we'll be off to Arkin. So I'm super excited about that. Arkin is exciting. This is true. It is the premier event in the world, the premier one day event in the world. So uh, I'm super excited that you're finally getting to experience this. Oh my gosh, me too. And we have a great team going. Uh, you know, I'll be there with uh, Tammy Smith, Caroline Martin. And of course, uh, the legendary Philip Dutton. So I'm, I'm hoping we can really, really give everyone a run for their money because I know how competitive it is. And many of us have never been there, but all the more reason to get out there and be really hungry for it. Fantastic. And then, uh, you know, there's some little Pan Am games that I think you've been trying to get on the team for as well. Do you, what's, what's the situation there? Can you spill the gossip on that one? <laughs> well, um, I have to say, I, I think I might have uh, tripped up literally my chances for being on the team. I got maybe a little rush of blood to the head at Wiesbaden on my lovely eight-year-old Cooley Quicksilver. And he'd had a wonderful season. And I think if I just cantered around, I might have uh, been on the team. But instead, I suddenly thought, you know what? I could be first or second here. I'm going to win it. <laughs> the horse was going amazing. He jumped a brilliant clear round in the show jumping. One of only two to jump clear inside the time. And he was smoking around the cross country, which, as you know, Tappers is super tight and mad amount of people and really crazy. And he was just giving me the best ride. And I just carved him in a little too tight on a green horse, on a green eight-year-old to a table that he misread and took off a stride too early and just barely clipped it behind, but it was a table with a lip on it. And it just ultimately meant that we tipped up on the landing side. So I take 100% blame. The horse is totally fine and he is wonderful. And um, I was not expecting to be sort of there at all, but um, because he's ha- he is a fantastic horse, he's a wonderfully talented horse. And we've been very gratefully named as the traveling reserve, which I'm very, very, very proud um, to be a part of this. And, and I'm looking forward to traveling out to Lima and being a part of the whole experience and supporting the team and, and literally giving everything I can to help them win gold um, for our Olympic qualifications. So I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity. And I think I'll learn a lot. And so will the horse. Um, he's a great traveler and it's it's a wonderful opportunity for a young horse. So 
Um, Fantastic. But, well, that's yeah. that's very good. And of course, we should not be thinking of getting voodoo dolls out for your team members. So you get <laughs> of on course the team. not. And course we'll not. we'll keep that to ourselves. But we, as you've said, you definitely want the team to to win a gold. And uh, fantastic that you're going out there and being part of it and and that whole experience. So congratulations, you. Commiserations on one hand about Arkin, but you know, like you say, he's a fantastic horse, and you've you've got the. You mean Wiesbaden? Wiesbaden? Yes. I could have sworn that's what I said. That's what I meant to say. Yes. <laughs> the other Wiesbaden. German one. The other the German, other German thing. one. And uh, but but Arkin will be the redemption from from Wiesbaden. That's what I was trying to say. So this is my plan. Yes, this is so the plan. So next time we speak on the radio show, all of our listeners will be super keen to hear about your um, superb performance at Arkin and all of the gossip from the Pan Am Games. Well, that's enough about us, Liz. Let's get on with the show and hear from our first guest. Joining us now on the eventing radio show, it is British eventing rider, Kirsty Johnston. Kirsty, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Thank you very much. Now, Kirsty, you have been uh, on a bit of flying form recently because you had an excellent fourth place result, uh, ever so close under that podium, uh, in the Event Rider Masters, leg three at Arville. I mean, that must have been uh, a fairly amazing ride across country you had there. Uh, yeah, she was phenomenal. She's a great horse. Um, it was a bit surreal, to be honest, to finish fourth behind three of the best riders. So I'm pretty chuffed. They certainly were the best riders. You've got world number one, Tim Price, who's uh, you know, winning everything. And needless to say, one Arvel, but we'll, we'll, we'll you know, gloss over that one. Uh, his wife, Janelle, in second. And the Speed Demon and, and Event Rider Masters Series winner and defending title holder, Chris Burton. So that's exceptionally good company. And, uh, you know... You held your own, not only held your own, very nearly, bit, well, you did beat a lot of them, uh, but very nearly got on the podium. So it wasn't just about dressage, show jumping and cross country as well. Had a, had a great show all round? Yeah, very good. Um, one of those things that you kind of go, I wish I didn't have this, I wish I didn't have that, and maybe I could have been here, but that's competing. The, and... sport, the sport of yeah. its onlys. <laughs> the sport exactly. of whatevs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Kirsty, what I love is it seems to be a trend with these top event riding, um, you know, these top eventers that you go in and, and of course, you have a bit of time off. You've, you've had a family, you have a lovely, beautiful son, and you come out like guns blazing. And you came out at Chatsworth and had a really good run around there in the Event Rider Masters. And then you've, you've come out at Arville, which was, I, I watched the live stream and I have to say, it looked a serious track. And I watched you around. And at the end, you got interviewed and we're expecting some big interview. And he said, well, she knows where the red and white flags are, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. And, um, you know, I think you need to take a little bit more credit for yourself there, that you've, you've come out of ha having just had a child six months ago and you've got this wonderful mare, but you have not just come out sleeping. You've come out guns blazing, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, I guess having a break makes you hungry. It's really nice to be back and it was in a way it's been quite nice to have a break in all honesty you get to <laughs> I don't know get fat eat cake not drink anything <laughs> which is a bit of a shame um, back then, on the wine now I'm sure <laughs> uh, yeah the gin's back out and the cake's on which is a bit of a shame but I don't know I guess a break always it's either gonna make you hungry or it's gonna make you realize that the sport is tough 
and you're not cut out for it on a daily basis. But I'm definitely hungrier than I've ever been before. She's a horse I've known. We've bred her. I've done everything with her. So I basically just put on my favorite pair of shoes and um, off we go again. I mean, would you agree, though? I watched I watched the Orville um, as much as I could. And it was very hot, of course. And I was there last year myself. And um, the course was tough enough last year. And this year, there's a new water jump. They they made the course a lot tougher. Rudiger Schwartz designs it. He's the same course designer as Wiesbaden, which was the last ERM, uh, which I did ride at. Very, very twisty, very intense. Um, but this was a an even tougher course, in my opinion, from what I saw. Um, h- how would you describe it? Did you feel the pressure was on the whole way, especially for the time. Yeah, you never stopped. I've come back home and chatted to people. I've just explained that as a six and a half minute arena eventing, you just never stop turning, <laughs> twisting, doing something. And, and the terrain's a bit of a roller coaster. You don't, there's never a break. And I think if your horses aren't on it and love the job, there's no way of giving their confidence back after. There's no easy fence. The let out fence is, is a ruddy great big table. <laughs> so, you know you haven't got something where you can go yeah well done guys now we've got another intense bit it just doesn't stop I loved it well certainly um you know from watching the course for those who didn't see it it was sort of a case of hitting fence number five I think it was and you went straight into the water which was a serious question then you went on to a very very intense angled fence combination but the turns were just so tight. But I have to say, your mare looked like she absolutely loved it. Would you say that this is sort of her kind of track? Perhaps you need to take her to Poe a bit more and take her take her to Le Moulin, take her to Wiesbaden. Maybe she likes this sort of intensity. She's she's just a horse that just loves the job and the intensity of it suits her, apart from the fact she's very, very strong. Um, <laughs> She, albeit she's strong, she's beautifully behaved. So if I actually wanted to stop, you can. She's not rude in any way. So it does make the turns easier. The fact that she's always on the go. The only thing you have to do is put the handbrake on and pivot around and off you go again. Um, But she likes the galloping tracks too. So I'm, I'm quite lucky with her. Well, I'm going to go ahead and ask you while we're waiting for Paul, because he's, uh, you know, Paul Tapner, in, in all his expertise, is currently traveling between the yard and home, and he's he's trying to ride his one horse and do 47 other thousand things, and, you know, everybody's in a business here. So I'm going to ask you my favorite thing that I ask everyone, which was interesting because we just spoke to Frankie Terrio-Stutes, who, um, by all accounts, is an amateur rider, I say in quotes, although she's just had an absolutely outstanding result at Le Moulin, and... I always like to ask our top riders what their top training tip is. And of course you are a professional rider, but you've also had to step away and and have your son and all these things. And it's probably given you time to think. So I want to know what is your number one top training tip, especially because you've produced so many horses from the very beginning. Uh, I think it's keeping the horses happy. We're very, very fortunate. We live in the new forest and we have a playground to play in outside of gorse bush jumping. So <laughs> that is what the horses do all winter. That's my cross country schooling. Um, it, they just love it. They know skinny fences, big fences, ditches. They have to be quick on their feet. And for sure, they, there's just a playground for me out there to play in. And I think my type of horses are quite 
hot and that way it keeps them happy. I don't have to drill them in the school. We just enjoy each other, I suppose. So explain that a little bit more, the the place where you school in the winter and stuff. Do you just go out and hack about and have a jolly over all the all the skinnies and that sort of thing? Or yeah, just explain pretty much. We, so the, the new forest has got these things that we call gorse bushes. They've got spiky bits in and they just grow naturally. <laughs> so you've got huge, great big things that we all dare each other to do. Me and my husband have had many a inappropriate dare who will jump this for what. Um, so there are some seriously big fences out there we've got natural ditches uh, water and it just keeps the horses very happy they can keep entertained without needing to constantly put them in the lorry to travel somewhere to go and do what we can do on our doorstep really well, I have to say, this sounds very, very Irish, Kirsty, and this is a <laughs> it's a big thing that I love about Irish horses. And I, I would say that my first choice of of where to find a horse would be well, for me, it's at Cooley Farm um, in Ireland, but it's it's very similar. They they are always out hacking the horses, jumping the natural ditches, teaching them to enjoy their job um, and to tromp through any sort of weather. And it's it's interesting to hear you say that because. I really think that is what makes a good event horse. Don't you agree? They have to enjoy their job. And and if you can teach them to enjoy it without being under pressure, then maybe that's just when they fight for you that bit more. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got a, a very nice horse that went well at Bramham this year. And she was a bit shy uh, in her younger years. And I spent a year hacking her. And before any big event now, the, what I do the day before I load her up to to go to the event is to go gorse jumping and get an ice cream and that's our prep wow and it keeps keeps her happy she's then as sweet as anything and and for me so far touch wood it's worked so just straight out of the farm and off you go over the gorse is that right oh my gosh i love it it's it's like impromptu hunting am i right yeah yeah (laughs) i'm not i'm not one for hunting it's the winter no me neither i'm cold, completely with hours. you <laughs> but uh we, ha- we have our own little hunt we go off and there's so much to do it, it is just a, a big playground Kirsty, a lot of our listeners are uh, American-based or Australasian-based and may not have heard of you before because uh, you're very well known on the uh, UK circuit. Uh, you've been a, a pro rider and very, very active for a, a number of years on that circuit. But for those listeners that have maybe not uh, heard of you before, just explain to them, you know, what's your yard size like and, and you know, you, you're a breeder of horses. So just give us a quick glimpse on that. Uh, so we breed horses. Mum and Dad set up uh, team opposition or lap common stud. Uh, with a stallion called Fleetwater Opposition. So all of mine, apart from the odd couple, are homebred through one line or another and lots of brothers and sisters. Um, We've got anything between 20 to 30 horses in work, usually about 25 a day get worked. And then there's a whole range of young horses from the foals that are born this year through to the ones ready to be broken in. So probably around... 45 to 50 horses on the farm at one point. 
Wow. So that that's an, an immense number of horses. So uh, it's little wonder why six months after your son's born that you're back in the saddle, because I suspect you didn't have a lot of choice with that quantity of horses. You were probably riding up until the day you, you gave birth and then uh, the day of or something. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that's an enormous number. Um, so uh, and like you say, all homebred. So presumably there's a, a sale program going on there as well or a selling program. Or do you just ride every single one for yourself? It would be nice to ride them all for myself, wouldn't it? Um, and so we've got a phenomenal bunch of owners um, and various syndicates for quite a few of the horses. And the sale would be ideal, but a lot of people, like Liz said, the first point of call is to go to Ireland because that's where they think the natural adventures are. Um, it would be nice to have a few more people come to the UK to find the event horses, but when the horses are ready, people are interested. Well, let's help them find team opposition horses. So uh, sell yourself Thanks. and your stud to the world. Are you on social media? Is there a website that people can uh, find out about these fantastic horses that you're breeding and producing yourself? Yeah, we've got social media and a website, www.teamopposition.com. And it's got lots of our history there of many, many four-star horses that my dad's bred and various Olympic courses along the way. So uh, certainly the accolades uh, warrant uh, everybody going and having a look at your website. Kirsty, thank you very much for your time on the Eventing Radio Show. And uh, we will put up, as always, all of our links uh, to your team opposition and yourself on the website for our listeners to check out. The Eventing Riders Association of North America is the collective voice of riders, equine professionals and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show is a woman who has made an incredible splash her first time at the five-star level. It is American eventing superstar Frankie Terrio-Studes. Welcome to the show, Frankie. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, I have to say, I was watching Le Moulin on my live stream in my horse box at the Nunny Horse Trials when it was <laughs> pouring with rain and a bit miserable, and a bit cold and a bit sad. And... I was keeping up to um, pace with all of the scores and, and thinking, oh, I'm going to watch the cross country. And then they changed the cross country time because you had epic weather. And I had yeah. to sort of frantically race into my lorry between dressage tests and watch around. <laughs> and I have to say, what an outstanding result at the Limulin Horse Trials. Your very first five star for both you and your horse, Chatwin. And you came home with fourth. I mean, you must still be just buzzing. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty incredible weekend from start to finish, for sure. And um, just kind of felt right, like, from the time we left for Germany. And it seemed like everything kind of aligned how we hoped. Well, I have to say, it was sort of a, I mean, it must have been a whirlwind of a, sort of a spring winter for you. You got named to the high performance list. Obviously, a big step for you. Um, probably for our listeners who maybe don't know you, I'm sure they all do now. Um, you don't have a huge team of horses. Uh, if I'm right, Chatwin is your, your main, if not only, real top-level horse. And you've He's got my two, only horse. 
He's your only horse. I have some real old folks who live at my There you go. So he's a I'm good at elderly horses and fat (laughs) wins. We obviously get that part right. And you've got two two young children, your own business. Um, just kind of fill us all in because really, I, I know it's crazy because people say, well, you're an amateur, but but there you are finishing. Well, you're like Tappers now because Tappers claims he's an amateur who was flying around badminton last year. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 100% on the same wave. Like, I'm definitely an amateur. <laughs> yeah, I only have one besides lessons and any other horse related activities um fill in our days but um but all in on the one horse for sure and frankie it was the plan originally this year and i know you put a lot of pressure on yourself was to get to kentucky you had an incredible result at Fairhill last year. Obviously, incredible result by by winning Fairhill, which is no small feat. It's the biggest four star in, in the USA, really, by all accounts. And you sort of had made this big plan to go to Kentucky, and at the last minute, it fell apart. So just talk us through your whole winter and and how you got to Lemoulin and 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 this incredible result. Yeah, I mean, my you know my year to date was actually pretty crappy um the worst we've ever had together and it was just one thing after another that kind of happened leading up to Kentucky and and nothing that you could really fault or in some cases even like try to improve on um you know I did my first event we had a ton of rain here in California my first intermediate out of the box I you know, had a great show, dressage and show jump, or dressage and cross country. And then I scratched it before the show jumping because the footing was atrocious and we'd just gotten so much rain. And then, you know, um, my next show was an advanced run at Ten Rivers where I had meant to go slow, but at fence five, my penny somehow attached to my number holder or my air vest rather to my penny to my number holder. And it was literally like somebody had stuck my belly button on a fence to the pommel of my saddle. So I had to halt for about 45 seconds or a minute and break myself free and continue. Um, and he was great, but obviously that was just kind of a weird little happening. And then we went to Galway Downs and flipped on the grass and then turned about halfway through the course. And so that was kind of my lead up to Kentucky. And, um, you know, I went back to Twin Rivers a couple weeks before Kentucky and did a combined test and um, did some stuff. And, and it seemed like everything kind of had, had gotten back together. But it definitely wasn't the lead up I would have chosen or really even, you know, the few shows in a row that I would have picked or, or that are the norm for us. Um, so I think mentally I was a bit derailed going to Kentucky. And, um, you know, Chatwin ended up having a really minor injury that made it so he just couldn't get on the plane and he was fine about two days later. Um, but it, it, it meant no Kentucky for us and I was pretty heartbroken. And then, um, you know, he ended up being fine, thankfully. And, um, I think sometimes the universe has bigger plans than you do and, and knows what's right. And mentally from our season, I just wasn't kind of where I can be and where I want to be. And, um, I was trying every show when little things happened to just pull everything back together and had done I feel like a decent job doing that but it was definitely in our best interest to kind of have to have a sit back and and kind of just be home for a few weeks and and just be back in our mental space um and then we chose the meal and and the reason I was able to even have that be a possibility is because I am so lucky that last year I was named the big Becky grant recipient 
and um, you know what an amazing group of people to get to align with and to have believe in you than winning that Broussard grant and um, you know I think sometimes it shows you that people believe in you maybe more than you believe in yourself and I was able to take those funds and quickly reroute myself to get to go to Germany and um, you know it, it, it seemed like Lemuelen was the best choice there was obviously Bramham or some other choices out there but I've wanted to do a five-star now for a really long time since 2011 when my other partner got hurt just two weeks before he was meant to do his you know then four star now five star they'd be with me and so since then I've kind of been really wanting to get to check that off and I was very excited to get to go to Germany where Chatwin's from and get to meet his breeder in person and get to gallop him around the same fields that he schooled in as a four and five year old and um, kind of get to bring him home in in a sense um, with my grant and with also winning Fair Hill you get a, a flight and Duda was absolutely amazing and helping me because it was supposed to be out of Miami or New York and obviously I live on the west coast to get that to be out of LA so uh, I flew with Chatwin both ways and we just gained a ton of experience kind of in in the whole entire situation and whole entire competition and getting there and you know fighting with him and everything kind of in between so it was really um, just a, an amazing experience from start to finish that is um I, i'm i'm flabbergasted i'm amazed i'm trying to keep up with all of these places you you're going you've been you that there's a roller coaster of i've been uh, trying to help uh, him frankie results. don't worry <laughs> <laughs> Roller roller coaster of your results and emotions to just to get to your first uh, five star, let alone to travel halfway around the world to get there. So, um, I, I'm yeah, wow, what a story. So, Lemoulin definitely wasn't plan A. That, that, that's plan B, if not C, by the side. It was of it. definitely not plan A. No, um, you know, it's funny though when I won uh, Fair Hill in that fight, I kind of thought like, how neat would it be if they get to go to Germany somehow to do some company there and take Chatwin home and um, you know kind of get to know him even better than I do and so it was weird kind of how it all worked out um, and I was so fortunate that two of my best friends are top five-star riders and stopped everything they're doing and Tammy Smith and Kelly Prather came and they were my quote-unquote grooms for the week so we had pretty high caliber grooms there a lot, a lot of laughs so, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the first day they were doing quarter markers and um, Eric Duvander fired them. <laughs> I said, no, no, so, no, as no grooms, you have they... to this groom showed up to the barn and she said, Eric has hired me for you. And I was like, no, I haven't. What are you talking about? So they had to prove their worth. But the next day they came out swinging and I realized it took me a day to realize that, you know, on the day when you're just practicing and there's no real timeline, they're not as good because they're, they are true five-star riders. They need to be put under pressure. So for the jogs, I think they had about 25 minutes or 20 minutes to get my horse looking top notch and he looked amazing. So I just learned you got to put a little pressure on them and they <laughs> rose to the occasion <laughs> and, and won Eric over in the end. Won him over in the end. So as grooms, they make good riders. Uh, but like you, you found their sweet spot. You found the pressure points, as you say. Yeah. To get them pressured to, to get you prepped or your horse prepped, uh, ready for your fantastic mm -hmm. performance. So, um, you know, um, an amazing uh, story how to get to your first five star. 
uh, not many people would be brave enough to to travel uh, across continents and, and airplanes to do their first major five star. Um, but then, that obviously, you know, listening to your very laid back personality, you you obviously have this same pressure mentality and can cope with all of this pressure. So, what was it like in the dressage phase? You know, let's just take it phase by phase. A, a, amazing venue, the Moulin, huge venue, huge surfaces, huge arenas, and and huge quantity of uh, elite level competitors. So that that just made you rise to the occasion. Yeah, well, I mean, I have to say that, you know, I was actually quite blown away at how wonderful everybody over there was. And, um, you know, both of you have had so much experience competing over there and and kind of abroad in general. But for me, it was my first time and everybody was just so welcoming. It was also the German championships. So the four-star short was their championship. So, you know, they had all their the best German riders who are arguably the best riders in the world right now competing against each other as well. So it was great just to get to be around that. And, um, you know, everyone was just so unbelievably kind. So it helped to kind of feel at home from the time we got there. And the dressage phase is one I'm pretty comfortable with him in. And, you know, we do a lot of pure dressage shows. I work with Lilo Four, who's a dressage judge and coach who's in the German Hall of Fame. So another another German for us. But, um, you know, I felt prepared definitely for that phase. And I was, though, really amazed. I think it just Chatwin's level of maturity and composure. And every time he goes out, he kind of gets more mature and blocks everything around him out. And, um, you know, in arguably the biggest setting he's ever been in, he was kind of right there with me the whole time and everything I asked, he answered. And, um, you know, I think the interesting thing about competing abroad when nobody knows who you are is that you have to work extra hard for the scores. And, you know, that was probably the feedback I got from my small but mighty contingent when I came out was that they felt I was a little slow to get the marks. Um, and by the end, you know, they were giving me marks that maybe I didn't deserve as much for the movements when in the beginning I deserved them more than what I was given. And, you know, that's the thing about competing abroad for the first time is no one knows who you are and they've never seen you or your horse. And, you know, in my case, that doesn't necessarily work as much for you. If you have a naughty horse, maybe that's a good thing. But, um, (laughs) so I think it it took him a little while to warm up to me, but, um, I was just so pleased with him and, and felt like we left it all out on the table and, um, you know, in the dressage phase, it's just really fun to get to ride him now because we know each other so well. And, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that he's going to go in and, and give it a, a solid try. So, Frankie, like, I, I mean, obviously, I think Chatwin is amazing, but I think the partnership you have with him is fantastic. And um, I didn't get to watch your dressage test, but I did watch your cross country live. And I also watched your show jumping live. And um, I made I made a big effort to be able to watch that and to cheer you on. And I have to say, I know a lot of people are saying, what an amazing horse, but it is the partnership as well. And you do have an incredible partnership with him. And, you know, just to review for those who haven't watched, of course, you had a 28 dressage, 6.5 time cross country. And I have to say, you went out of the box fighting. And I really thought you were going to make the time. And I think your next try at five star, I really think you will, because the horse has the gallop and you have the fight. 
an incredible show well, jumping around. I've been to the Moulin and it is seriously big and seriously tough there. And uh, 0.8 time faults in the show jumping, but clear, an immaculate round, one of the fastest of the day. And to finish in fourth, your first five star, this is, it's not like we're speaking to someone who's got 20 horses in the barn. You've got one horse, <laughs> you've got two kids, you've got your own company. I think what a lot of our listeners would like to hear, because I'm sure a lot of people were blown away, not not that they weren't expecting the performance, but going, hang on a minute, this is possible. And I think that people would love to know how you structure this, how your training works. Um, you're based in California, you're not on the East Coast. Can you just sort of run this down for us somehow? You know, for those people out there that maybe don't have the, the means to have 15 horses in the barn or whatever, yeah. it's still possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I'd like people to know is I feel like for whatever reason in our kind of world, you get this sense that if you have a quote unquote normal job or a family or all these things that you can't ride at the top level. And I don't think you can do that with, you know, um, a ton of horses, but I do think that if you structure things right, it is possible. And I just hope that people if any, if I've done anything, I hope that I inspire one person to dare to dream that they can do it because I don't have really aspirations. I'm just riding through preliminary. I have always wanted to do more than that, but my entire life I've, you know, even in high school, I rode at an advanced level and played very competitive basketball, you know, year round on multiple teams and volleyball and everything. And it's always just been something where it was in addition to everything else I did. And, um, you know, I think for me it's possible because I compartmentalize it properly and I get up and get the boys to school. And, um, I have a really wonderful husband who is a professional athlete himself for a very long time. So he understands kind of what it takes and, is there telling me you should keep doing it when I, on the days I'm exhausted and ready to bail, <laughs> and, um, you know, and so we, I get the kids off to where they need to go. And then I have an amazing babysitter who helps me and I get down to my house and I take him down to a barn and we have a really unique situation. And I think that that's what people need to realize too, is you don't have to be at these huge training facilities or have these, crazy resources to get it done. I mean, I, I keep trying on my house and I trailer him actually every day, three miles to a barn that he's the only horse allowed on the property. And it closed about a year and a half to the public. And I have some amazing rings there that I get to use and that are manicured for me. And so I, you know, ride him on my own um, several days a week. And then I trailer him out for a lesson with Lilo, you know, one day a week, if she's in town and, and a jump lesson with my jump trainer and that if, if he's in town. So that's kind of how my, my week looks. And I'm fortunate to have a great Gallatil where I ride Chatwin as well. Um, you know, and then I, I am all in with Chatwin when I'm there and I'm committed to doing that. I leave my phone in the car and my business has to wait that hour and I'm, I'm on chat and then I get off and I take him home and, you know, toss him out in the field with his buddies and then I kind of go about my day and um then I'm you know back full-time in the office for several hours usually till 3 or 4 p.m and then you know like these couple weeks we're fully in swim lessons with the boys in the afternoon. 
whatever I need to do with them. Um, and then I, I spend the evenings after they go to bed actually packing orders for my handbag company, Frankie Cameron. So it's definitely a, an all-in life, but um, I wouldn't trade it. And, you know, for me, um, the time with Catlin is really the time where my mind doesn't have to be in 600 other things. So I use writing as that, and that's kind of um, how it works well for me and um, how I compartmentalize it all. But you know, I think um, I think if you can can kind of separate things enough and um, be present in each moment, it's possible. Well, I have to say that focus sh- definitely shined through at Le Moulin. And um, I'm going to ask you something now, Frankie, that I ask all of our very, very top riders. But I think for our listeners, it would be great to hear your answer because you have one horse to focus on and so many other things in your life. Um, we like to ask our top riders, what is your number one top training tip? And um, this is something I say to people, oh, it could be how you train your young horses, whatever. But Really, I want to know what your top training tip is when you are in a situation that you're in, because there are many people who only have one horse or two horses and a normal job. So tell us your number one top training tip for your success, Frankie. Mine is just definitely that you have to get your horse to trust you. And, um, you know, especially if you have one horse, you have the opportunity to spend, you know, your time just focused solely on them. You're usually in most cases then the person packing them up and you know I pack Chatwin up I clean his stall I do literally everything for Chatwin um and I think that it shows in in our partnership and in our relationship and you know he he wasn't a horse that everybody would have picked um I he was sourced through Clayton Fredericks and I bought him through Clayton but he'd been in Florida for six months and many top riders have tried him and not wanted him and um you know, I just, from the first time I jumped across rail on him, he felt like home to me. And he has a very non-conventional jumping style, especially in the show jumping. Um, his breeder called it jumping like a rabbit. Like his legs just dangle and he just jumps higher. Um, but to me, I think if you have a horse who trusts you and believes that you're not going to leave them, lead them astray. I mean, even in the daily, like even in the barn and, and all of that, that they'll, they'll go the extra mile for you. And I think you can be amazed at what a real partnership will do, but that partnership starts from the ground up. And, um, you know, I try to be kind to Chatwin and consider him in all the decisions I make. And, you know, even in like the daily at home, um, I feel like it's, it starts from there and, and, you know, to go along with that, there's a time, for your horses need to learn, in my opinion, a time when they need to focus and a time when it's playtime. And, um, you know, each time I get on Chatwin, it's for a purpose and serious and to work. And he usually gets like free lunch one day a week. So he just gets to not have to focus and think, but that's because that's the time for that. And he gets to go out and be a horse um, when he's not being ridden, you know, um, several acres with other horses and, kind of really get to be wild and and do whatever he needs so that mentally he can also compartmentalize things. So it's kind of a long-winded answer to the question list, but I think, um, I think developing a partnership is my number one thing. I love it. Well, it makes perfect sense to me and uh, certainly gives us an insight as to why you've been so successful, regardless of the, uh, 
lower quantity of horses in compared to uh, the vast majority of other riders that you've successfully beaten at Le Moulin and shown that you are equally as good a rider at. So, um, you know, very good insight into your horsemanship there. And uh, good advice for all of our listeners. Another great training top tip. Say that 10 times really fast, please. Top and, training uh, tip. <laughs> you said it wrong. <laughs> oh, see, that's why I struggle with it, Liz. That's why you have to ask these top, these top training tips every, every time because it just trips me up. But uh, <laughs> thank you for being on the Eventing Radio Show. Now, I'm sure you're going to – our listeners are going to want to follow your progress into the next five-star. So are you on social media at all? Can they follow you or are they just going to have to stalk you through the entries systems? Well, I, my company is on social media at Athletics Equine. Um, no worries. We will uh, make sure that uh, we follow your progress on all of the results tables and entries lists. Thank you for being on the Eventing Radio Show with us. Thanks, you guys, so much for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Eventing Rodders Association of North America podcast. You can learn more about Eventing Rodders Association of North America at eraofna.com. Of course, you can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. Follow Eventing Radio on Facebook. Just search for the Eventing Radio Show. And of course, on Twitter, at Eventing Radio. You can also listen to Eventing Radio anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also subscribe via iTunes. I'm Liz Halliday Sharp, and you can follow me on Facebook, Liz Halliday, on Twitter, at Liz Halliday, on Instagram, Liz Halliday Sharp, and of course, on our website, hseventing.com. And I've been tappers in your ears, and I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the website. Just search for Tapner Eventing. Thanks for listening.